0: Well guys, it is great to be back up here uh, with my Whitestone family. I missed you. And I just want to say this because I didn't get a chance to say it before, but I had uh, just a fantastic day on our anniversary Sunday. Uh, It was so special to be with my entire Whitestone family at the OAC in one room celebrating what God has done in our midst. And it was just amazing. And then it was so cool to come back here and to celebrate by eating and playing games. And man, let me tell you something. Whitestone, we can eat. We ate two pigs and like 100 chickens and a ton of other stuff. And, and there was like a little bit of leftover. So that was amazing. Uh, but it was, it was a fantastic day. Other than the dunk tank, it was a perfect day. <laughs> that dunk tank about killed me. <clears throat> but uh, it, it, I just I want to... I'm just... So thankful. You guys are some of the greatest people on this earth, and I'm so thankful to God that I am part of this family and that I get to do life with you guys. Uh, I really, really mean that, and uh, I also just want to thank everyone for helped out, who helped out that day to set it up during it and then clean up. I mean, there was a lot that went on, and you guys all plugged in, so thank you. But now, uh, we need to dig into what God wants us to be digging into for the remainder of this fall, and as many of you know, I was gone for a week uh, in Arizona. I went up to the mountains of Arizona. My dad pulled up his little pop-up trailer way up this, this road and kind of parked it there, and, and uh, then I went up there and I stayed in this little pop-up trailer up in the mountains, and there's no cell phone service, no electricity, no nothing. It was just me and God for an entire week, and Uh, I have to say it was incredibly awesome to just be with Jesus. And I just want to make a plug right now for the discipline of solitude. You know, in this crazy world that we live in, this crazy life where we have so many noises going on around us and so many things grabbing for our attention, it is so imperative that we take time to have times of solitude. Uh, you know, even Jesus, it says that He often pulled away to solid places of solitude. And if Jesus felt like He needed to do it, then guys, by all means, we need to be doing it. And, and, and I want to encourage you, it's not something that will just happen. You have to plan for it. And so, uh, if you can set that up in your life, man, I tell you, it, you will be the better for it. Because uh, it was such a precious time to just be with Jesus. So here's some pictures of just some of the mountains in the area that I was uh, you know, sitting up in there and spending time with the Lord. It was pretty cool because the first morning <clears throat> I got up, uh, I typically, I'm a people person, so I like to be around people. And so when I go to this time of solitude, the first day I'm so lonely, I'll start crying. It's kind of I sound like a baby, but I'm just like, I miss my family. I miss Whitestone. And, and I'm all alone, but I stepped out of my pop-up trailer and this little butterfly flew by that was black and had orange wings. And my favorite color is orange. And, and I felt like the Lord said, Luke... Every time you see this butterfly, this type of butterfly, I want it to be a visual reminder that I am with you. And I tell you, it was the most special thing in the world because those butterflies were everywhere. And my mind would kind of veer off and start thinking about other things, and all of a sudden, you know, it would come along, and I'm like, right, that's right, God. You're here and You're with me. And by the end of the week, my mind was so trained to be aware of His presence that it was just second nature. And it was an awesome thing. Now, the, the tricky part is bringing that back into reentry of life. And I'm still learning how to do that, but um, it was a powerful thing. But one of the main points of pulling away was asking Jesus what He wanted for us to learn this fall here at Whitestone. And um, you see, this entire year has been gearing up for this fall. Uh, this fall is going to be the culmination of a lot of preparation that we've been working through this year. And Lord willing, is my prayer, is that this will be a life-changing fall series for every single one of us. I really am praying that. And you know, all year we've been talking about faith and we've been using this visual of this tree with the root system coming down and, and, and those root systems, we can't see them, but it's the part of the tree that keeps it stable, it feeds it, it brings the nutrients to the tree. When the wind blows, it won't blow it over because those root systems are down deep into the ground. And faith is like that. Faith is the part of our lives that you can't see. It's invisible. But it's the root structure of our Christian lives that keeps us to, to, to you know, it feeds our, you know, our lives. It, when the winds blow in our life, it keeps us from blowing over. And, and so we have to, you know, have lives of faith. And to just re- refresh our memories, we started out this year really looking honestly at our lives and seeing that sadly, so often, we live unfaithful lives. We're being unfaithful to our groom, um, our groom Jesus, and we're living out our lives in this world for the most part, not even paying attention to Him. We're being unfaithful. And I used kind of a, a little bit more of a startling word as I did it, but really, we're committing adultery against our, our Lord, and it's that serious. We're called to live faithful Lives, now look at that word, faithful. Lives full of faith. And when we do that, as it says in Hebrews, we will please God. It is impossible to please God without faith. You can't do it. You just can't please God without living a life of faith. So guys, it is imperative that we live out lives of faith right now in this present life we live. So the first part of this year was spent on tearing that apart. What does that even mean? What is faith? I mean, we hear that word spouted around all the time. We see books with it. But truth be told, we... We really don't know what faith is. We're always pointed to Hebrews 11, chapter 1, and, and we're like, okay, that kind of makes sense, but that doesn't really, you know, we can't wrap our minds around it. So we came up with this definition of faith that I think we can wrap our head around, and this is what it is. Faith is a belief in the unseen reality of God and His kingdom. Let's, let's say that out loud together. Second service, let's say it if we can. Faith is a belief in the unseen reality of God and His kingdom. Now, remember, at the beginning of the year, we talked about this. We we can't just look at that and go, okay, that's a great definition of faith, awesome, and move on with life. No, we need to know what this definition means. And so we need to kind of tear that apart. And we started with the word belief. And and the word belief, this is the definition of belief. To believe, belief is actually to act as if something were true. Can we say that out loud? Belief is to act as if something were true. Let me ask you something. If you believed that electricity was real, that it was true, what would you do when you walk into a room? You'd flip on the light. It's exactly right. You can't see electricity. It's invisible. But if you believe that it's real, you're going to walk in there and you're going to act as if it were true. It's the same with faith. We then looked at the kingdom of God. What does what the kingdom of God even mean? And really, we just broke it down to this. It's God's activity. It's God at work. And so if belief is to act as if something were true, and the kingdom of God is God's activity, then let's plug that back into the definition of faith again. And by doing that, this is what living a life of faith basically looks like. And I want you to just soak this up. A life of faith is living in such a way that our lives would reflect the reality that God is real and that He's active all around us. Let's say that together if we can. I know it's kind of a long thing, but let's try to say that out loud together. A life of faith is living in such a way that our lives would reflect the reality that God is real and that He's active all around us. That's what a life of faith looks like. And you know what, guys? That kind of life, it pleases God. But unfortunately for most of us, we live in such a way that our lives reflect a completely different reality. Our lives often reflect to this world that we truly don't believe in God or that He isn't active around us. We basically live as if He doesn't exist. And and Whitestone, that's got to change. That just can't be. So the next step we approached was asking the question, well, if we're going to do this, how do we do this? And the answer very simply was, well, we need to look at Jesus. He's the greatest example that we have to learn from. And so to set that up, we had to very clearly and carefully explain that while Jesus was completely God, He was also completely what? Man. He was human. In other words, Jesus lived His life on this earth as a man, completely human, without ever pulling out His God card. He didn't walk around and say, well, that's too hard for me to handle as a man, so I'm going to pull out my God card. No, He didn't do that. You see, Jesus, He got hungry. Jesus, He got tired. He would get exhausted. He grew weary. Jesus, it says in Scripture, had to grow in knowledge. Jesus, it says in Scripture, He he learned obedience, and on and on we talked about it. We use Scripture to point out that He was completely human, just like you and me. In fact, Jesus, in all reality, came to show us what being human really is supposed to look like. You know, we always say this little phrase, we say, well, I'm only human. And tell me, when do we usually say, make that statement? When we've made a mistake, when we've really botched something up really, really bad, we say, well, I'm only human. That's just going to happen. But really, truthfully, living like we often do is actually being subhuman. Because that isn't what true humanity, the way God intended it to be, is supposed to look like. And Jesus came to show us what true humanity is supposed to look like. He showed us what a real human is supposed to live like. Now get this. And He did it All through the power of the Holy Spirit. Make sure you get that. He did it all through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus lived out his human life completely through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we we spent the next few months systematically looking at how Jesus did that. We paid attention to how he lived each part of his life by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. How did he combat temptation? How did he face the kingdom of darkness? How did he heal people? How did he raise people from the dead? How did he speak? How did he act? All of it. We we paid attention to how Jesus did all of it, noticing that through all of it, Jesus was clearly living in such a way that his life reflected the reality that God was real and that he was active all around him. And when people saw Jesus, it blew their socks off. And he did it all through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, as much as we enjoyed looking at Jesus' life and learning from him, the truth is, many of us sat back and went, but that was Jesus. And I realize he was fully human and he lived as a man through the power of the Holy Spirit, but still, that was Jesus. I'm not Jesus. I can't do that. I'm just a regular human being. And, and the gap between Jesus and us seems way too big, almost too big. And it seems impossible for us to live out a life of faith like him. And I, you know, I get that. I understand that type of thinking. So what we did is this, this summer, we took time to look at just regular people. People like you and me who lived out their lives by faith, who who lived their lives reflecting the reality that God was real and that He was at work around them. People like Noah, people like Abraham and Sarah, people like Moses and David and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, all people who lived out incredible lives of faith and they were recognized for it in Scripture. Their lives pleased God. God. And our intention this summer was to make the point that if they could live out lives of faith, these regular people like you and me, then we can live out lives of faith. But I want you to be reminded as to how we ended that series, because I think this is so important. These regular people like you and me, yes, they were amazing men and women of faith. But you know what? We don't focus on them. We don't We're not called to follow them. We're not called to imitate them. No, we're called to imitate who? Jesus. He's the one we set our compass to. Remember the verse in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the Noah, Moses, Abraham, Sarah, all those great cloud of witnesses, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easy entangles and let us run with perse- perseverance the race marked out for us. And then pay attention to this. Let us fix our eyes Not on them, but on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the one that we continue to look to. And why? Because He's the captain of our faith. He's the one who lived out from start to finish this human life, a life of faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And He did it perfectly. And there is no other person in the entire universe who is a better example than Him. And so we focus on Him. We fix our eyes upon Him. We imitate Jesus. Amen? That's what we're called to do. All right. So finally, we're up to date. And and by the way, if you missed a bunch of the sermons, and you need to catch up, by no means did I just encapsulate this entire year in that little time. You need to go back and and catch up and and go to the mywhitestone.org. And by the way, Jake Andrus has just redone our entire website. We have a brand new website that he worked on. And so when you see him, give him a big slap on the back because I think he did a great job. But uh, go to the, the sermons and catch up if you haven't heard it so far. So what is our plan for this fall? Well, here it is. You know, it's one thing to to talk about what faith is and how other people lived out life of faith and to talk about how Jesus lived a life of faith and how we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, on Him. But it's another thing to actually live out a life of faith. You know, and and, and especially in this present age that we live in, in this nutso reality of our everyday lives. That really is the dilemma before us. How do we live a life of faith in America, in our busy, hectic lives, where we drive on interstates, where there is no end to orange barrels and and flashing lights. There's just none. When you're you're stuck in in rush hour and and where you have cell phones that are constantly beeping and constantly wanting your attention. And there's email and there's internet and there's there's you know texting and we have computers and and we have uh, Skype and we have FaceTime and we have TV and we have the Hackers, and we have fancy homes, and we have cars, and we have the media, and we have Trump, and we have Hillary, and and we have all the stuff, and all the chaos, and all this crazy things that are begging for our attention, constantly trying to distract us. I mean, seriously, how do we live out lives of faith in this present age we live in? How do we practically do that? Because if we can't answer that question, guys, here's the truth, we might as well shut our doors. We might as well get rid of Whitestone because really there's no point because that is the question we need to answer. We could talk about all these great things, but if we can't live it, then it's all worthless. That's what we're called to do. If we aren't actually making disciples who by faith are understanding and who are living and extending the kingdom of God, then we are just playing the game of church. And quite frankly, and I know you feel this too, I don't want to play the game of church. I'm tired of playing the game of church. There's no point to playing the game of church. It's time we be a church. Amen? It's time that the disciples of Jesus in this nation gather together and actually live lives. Yes, live lives in the middle of this chaos. Lives that reflect the reality that God does exist and that He is at work amongst us. And consequently, then, people would see our lives and see God's kingdom, and it would blow their socks off. That's what we want. And let me just first say this. Need to hear me on this? We can. We can. We can do this. And do you want to know why we can do this? You want to know why I can stand up here and say with confidence that you and I can live out lives of incredible faith? Here's why. Here's the secret. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. I want to back you up all the way to Jesus. And Jesus is just getting ready to go to the cross. And He's getting ready to leave His disciples. He's going to go back to be with His Father. And He's, he's preparing His disciples. He's talking to him, And He's saying, Hey guys, I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to be going back. And, and, and you know, He could see the sadness on their faces. And they're kind of like, Oh, Jesus, why are you leaving? What's going on? And, and he, he said this. I want you to see this. He's, in John 16, He says, But the fact of the matter is, is that it's, Best for you that I go away. For if I don't, the Comforter won't come. If I do, He will. For I will send Him to you. Tell me, Second Service, who's the Comforter? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus basically says, listen, I know you want me to stay forever, but it's actually better that I leave right now because when I leave, I will send you the Holy Spirit. You know, the one that empowered me to live the life that I've been living. So sure enough, Jesus leaves, you know, and on the day of Pentecost, God sends the Holy Spirit, Spirit upon the believers there in Jerusalem. And if you want to read the story, go to Acts chapter 2. It's an awesome story. But here's the point I want to make. Shortly after God sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in the lives of all the believers, these men and women started living and acting and talking just like who? Jesus. They looked like a bunch of Jesuses walking around. And you want to know why? Because the Holy Spirit was living in their lives and empowering them to do so. They were walking in holiness. They were doing amazing things. They were were preaching, and they were healing, and they were serving, and they were loving others in a beautiful way, and literally thousands and thousands were putting their faith and trust in Jesus because they saw the power of God in these people's lives, all because the Holy Spirit was living through them. And Whitestone, we have the very same Holy Spirit. Amen? As believers and followers of Jesus Christ, that very same Holy Spirit lives in us. The Bible says we are temples of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? It means this. We can do this. We can live out lives of faith. I promise you we can. So everything we will be talking about from here on out in this series will be filtered through the fact that the Holy Spirit will be the help, our helper in the midst of it all. Remember, we always talk about that word grace. What is grace? Grace is God's power. His amazing power working in us to accomplish what we could never do on our own. You want to know who the one who performs that? It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's going to be working in our lives and in our midst to, to, to perform this. Now listen to me. I want you to hear this. You need to hear this. Living lives of faith is meant to be done in community. What I've noticed about Christianity today is that it's become sort of this individualistic sort of thing. We use phrases like my personal walk with God, my personal devotions, my relationship with God is personal. I don't really need to be part of a group because God and me had this special thing between the two of us. And Christians have taken this approach that they can live out this life of faith by themselves outside of a community. Yeah, we might come to church you know, for an hour each Sunday, but for the most part, we do this, you know, our, this Christian life alone. Just me and God. And let me tell you, Whitestone, that is a farce. That is not the way it's designed to be. We are meant to live our lives of faith within community. Together with our brothers and sisters, God designed us to live out in community. He is our head, we are His body. He is our Father, we are His family. He is our shepherd, we are His flock. Everywhere you turn, it's a picture of community. And our faith will grow deeper and it will grow stronger if we choose to do it together. It just will. And so I will continually be encouraging us to incorporate into our lives times of togetherness. That's why we do life groups. So that we can do life together. A time where we can have intimacy within a community. A time of growing together. And guys, we must do this in the midst of our crazy lives in this present age we need to be diligent in creating times of togetherness because the enemy is doing his best to try to shut that down i promise you he is Have you ever thought about it that 100 years ago if i wanted to go see ben jeffries what would i have to do I'd have to get on my my horse and ride over to his house and I'd get off and we would sit on Ben's front porch and we'd probably have tea together and we would talk. We would engage with each other. But then the telephone was invented and, and, you know, I don't have to get on my horse and go see Ben anymore. I can just pick up the phone and I can talk to Ben. In fact, I might not see Ben for years, but I can talk to him on the phone. And then this beautiful thing called the cell phone was invented where they had texting Now, I don't even have to talk to Ben. I can text Ben. We don't even have to physically interact anymore. I can just text. you know what, guys? What I see the enemy doing is he's trying to pull us apart from each other more and more and more and more to where we just live lives all alone without our brothers and sisters. Now, guys, I'm not saying that don't ever text because it's a sin. Texting's awesome. But you better be diligent in making sure that you incorporate times of togetherness with the family of God. Because God designed us to live lives like that. Check out some of these phrases in Acts talking about the early church. So when they met together, they all joined together. They were all together in one place. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts they raised their voices together they took any chance they could to be together they knew that their life of faith of following jesus was meant to be done together hebrews 10 says this it goes let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're meant to live and do life together in community. Now, I want to just take a moment, I want you to look at this word community, and tell me, what's the root word? Unity. Listen to me. For all of us to have community here at Whitestone, we must have unity here at Whitestone. Unity is so crucial in living out this journey of faith together. And I have to say, thanks to God, man. Praise be to God for this. We have enjoyed 10 years of incredible unity here at this church. But I want to say this. Up on the mountains, when I was spending time with the Lord, I felt like the Lord warned me. said, Luke, the enemy is going to come after Whitestone in the area of disunity. He's going to come after the staff. He's going to come after the elders. He's going to come after the family. And He's going to try to cause strife and disunity in our midst. And so I say that this morning just to let it be a warning for us. To be on the lookout for that, because you're going to find, you know, as he tries to stir things up, you're going to find yourself getting angry at someone or upset at them, and be like, "Oh, that jerk!" You know, if that's what it is, I don't want to go to this church. I don't want to be part of this family. You're going to get mad, but you know what? Ephesians says it says, "Our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual forces of high dark of of spiritual forces of darkness in high places." Here's the reality, guys. My battle's not against Steve. The enemy's trying to make it against me and Steve, but it's not. It's against the enemy. And He's going to try to stir things up. So be on the lookout for that. And don't let it happen because we need community as we grow in faith. You know, this is my prayer. This was Paul's prayer for the church in Rome. He says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity amongst yourself as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart, in one mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we want. And as I said, guys, we're a church. We're not just a building. Please, please do not think that Whitestone is a building. It's not a building. Whitestone is you guys. It's us. When we met at OAC, that was Whitestone. We could meet at Pick and Save in the deli department. That would be Whitestone. Because Whitestone, our church is not a location. No, church is a, is a group of people who are followers of Jesus Christ living together in community with the intention of loving God and loving others. And we're meant to do this together in unity. And as I said before, our faith will grow deeper and stronger if we choose to do it together. We need each other. And so, you know what that means, guys? Listen to me, this is kind of hard to take, but this is what that means. It means that we're going to have to learn to be real. We're going to have to learn to be vulnerable. We're going to have to learn to be honest. Because you know what churches have promoted? Churches have promoted a performance-based spirituality where we pull onto our miraculous asphalt and we're screaming at our wife and we're cussing at our kids and we're ticked off at life and we pull onto our parking lot and it's like, oh! And we step out and we're like, praise the Lord, brother. It's so great to see you. Oh, the Lord has been so good to us. And we praise Him and we sing songs and we have our coffee and we walk in and we start screaming at our wife on the way out. Because we, we're dying on the inside, but we try to make our outside look good. And guys, that's got to stop. we got to be open and real and vulnerable and honest. You know, in my discipleship class, we went around the room and just asked people why they're part of this class. And a young woman, bless her heart, she goes, you know why I'm here? She goes, my life has been a mess. I've made some horrible decisions. And, and, I, and I've, you know, I just realized if I kept going down that path, I'm gonna, it's going to lead to destruction. And so I'm here because I realized the only choice before me is to run after Jesus. And I wanted to run over there and give her a big hug because you know what? I love it when people are real and open and honest and vulnerable. And you know what? Here's the truth, guys. Love covers a multitude of sins. We can be real and open and honest because we're going to continue to love each other. And love covers that junk. And we know that our unseen God is at work on every single one of us and He's transforming us more and more and more into the likeness of His Son, Jesus. And so we can continue to love each other through our faults and failures. Amen. So throughout this fall, I will continually be talking about community with every topic we talk about, so be prepared for that. I don't want one or two people to be living lives of faith. I don't want a pocket here and a pocket there. I want all of us to grow together in this journey of faith, and that's my desire. I want Whitestone, really I want Whitestone to be a place where if Jesus were to show up in flesh and blood, he would sit back and go, wow, what a community of faith. Remember that story of the centurion? The centurion comes up to Jesus. Jesus is walking along. He comes up to Jesus and, and he says, Jesus, my, my servant is, is sick. Would, would you please heal him? And Jesus says, take me to your house. I'll, I'll heal him. And, and he goes, Jesus, I don't deserve for you to even, you know, be in my house, but I know I'm a man of authority and I receive directions from people above me and I give directions to people below me. And so I know that all you have to do is give the word and my servant will be healed. You see, this centurion realized that that Jesus was reflecting the reality of an unseen God at work. And he knew that all Jesus would have to say is God do this and God would do it. And you know what Jesus said there? Different versions will say different things. But it says, Jesus was amazed. He was astonished. He went, whoa! Not in all of Israel have I seen faith like this Roman centurion. And guys, that's what I want it to be like here. That Jesus would walk into our midst and go, whoa! Not in all the world do I see a group of people who are living by faith. Like Whitestone. I want us to be a community where Jesus would be amazed at our faith. And let me tell you, if we choose to fix our eyes on Jesus and train together in living a life of reflecting the reality of God and His activity, we will become that. Amen? And that's what we intend on doing this fall and probably into the new year. And guys, I want you to know this series is going to be a hands-on series. There's going to be homework. There's going to be things that you're going to have to do. Because remember, belief is an action. And so there's going to be things that we're going to have to do. So be prepared for that. And if I could just say this, do your homework. Don't just come and listen to the sermon and go home and forget about it. No, do your homework. Apply it. Apply it with someone. Apply it with a bunch of someones. And let's grow together. So let me end with this, here's our homework. This week it's very simple. What I want you to do is I want you to find someone, or a group of someones, and I want you to pray together that God would work in our midst in a mighty way during this fall series. Now I realize praying with someone takes us out of our comfort zones. I don't really care. I want you to train for it, because we're meant to do it together. So make sure you do your homework this week. Find someone or someones and get together and cry out to God that he would work in our midst. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for my second service. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for their hearts. And I thank you for what you're going to do in them in advance. God, there is no one in this universe who wants to see them grow more than you do. So I pray that their hearts would be open and available for the working of your Holy Spirit. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Guys, love you so very, very much. Keep running after Jesus. We'll see you next Sunday.